Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of life once again. We are really grateful, Lord, for your mercies and your loving kindness which you bestow upon us because you give to us things we do not deserve, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the security and the peace we enjoy. We, all, we attribute all these things to you and it's not because of our holiness or righteousness, but it's a show of your love towards us and we worship you and we are grateful. We want to give you praise with our lives to honor your name by living in harmony with your will. We cannot do it on our own and we pray, Lord, that the words which we will be going through in our devotion today shall be a means for us to give glory to your name and to equip ourselves to live in harmony with the will of God. We pray, Father, that you put your spirit upon us and put your words on my lips, Lord, that I may give your children food to eat, that we all may be satisfied and blessed with the words we'll hear. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, October 11 Doubts and Questions Straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Matthew chapter 14 verse 27 They, the disciples, entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum. They had left Jesus with dissatisfied hearts. They murmured because they had not been permitted to proclaim him king. They blamed themselves for yielding so readily to his command. Unbelief was taking possession of their minds and hearts. Love of honor had blinded them. Would Christ never assert his authority as king? Why did not he who possessed such power reveal himself in his true character? and make their way less painful. Why had he not saved John the Baptist from a violent death? Thus, the disciples reasoned until they brought upon themselves great spiritual darkness. They questioned, could Jesus be an impostor as the Pharisees asserted? The disciples had that day witnessed the wonderful works of Christ. It had seemed that heaven had come down to the earth. The memory of that precious, glorious day should have filled them with faith and hope. Had they, out of abundance of their hearts, been conversing together in regard to these things, they would not have entered into temptation. Their thoughts were stormy and unreasonable, and the Lord gave them something else to afflict their souls and occupy their minds. God often does this when men create burdens and troubles for themselves. A violent tempest had been stealing upon them, and they were unprepared for it. They forgot their disaffection, their unbelief, their impatience. Everyone worked to keep the boat from sinking. Until the fourth watch of the night, they toiled at the oars. Then the weary men gave themselves up for lost. In storm and darkness, the sea had taught them their own helplessness, and they longed for the presence of their master. Jesus had not forgotten them. At the moment, 
when they believe themselves lost. A gleam of light reveals a mysterious figure approaching them upon the waters. Their beloved master turns. His voice silences their fear. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Doubts and Questions. And here we are going to learn some other lessons that the Lord would have us to learn with respect to appreciating His goodness. This devotion is focused at a time just after the death of John the Baptist. It was a time of sorrowing and mourning. A few days before, the disciples of John had come to join Jesus. They had told him about the work, the, the death of John the Baptist, and they had become followers of Jesus. A lot of multitude were following Jesus at this time, and many days they were going together. But the memory of the, the death of John the Baptist was not far away from the minds of the disciples because it wasn't long ago they heard it. The disciples of John the Baptist brought this sad news, and as they began to follow Jesus, Jesus uh, began to teach all the multitude that was with him. When they came to report to him that Jesus was baptizing too, that was the disciples of John, they were jealous for John. But John made them understand that Jesus was indeed the Messiah and he was to decrease while Jesus increases. Now that John was dead and they brought Jesus the news, a large crowd now resorted to Jesus. Many who desired deliverance from the Roman yoke, many who wanted a Jewish king, all those who sincerely desired to be healed from their diseases, and many who sincerely wanted to have a reformation in Israel and in their own personal lives. They wanted Israel to go back to God away from their sins. They were also in that crowd. From time to time, these large crowds always came to hear this teacher from Nazareth. As he spoke to them, they were convinced of the divine origin of his teachings, and just by looking at him, they could see that he was the Son of God. His teachings held the people spellbound for three days, and they had endured because they were captivated by his teachings. Jesus had compassion on them and decided to feed them. The people saw a miracle like no other. A mere five loaves of bread and two fishes was used to feed 5,000 men with many more women and children. You could say that they were well over 10,000 because it just 5,000 men. When you count women and children, then you can imagine how many they were. You see, this was a miracle like no other. They were very sure that this man was the Messiah. They decided that they themselves must make him the Messiah. The book of John 6 verse 14 and 15 records it this way. It says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, that is the one of turning, using five loaves of bread and two fishes to feed the crowd, when they had seen that, it says, this is, they said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now, I want us to see something that in the previous devotions as to why we need different people. You see, John was not focusing on the other parts of Jesus' ministry with respect to the parables and other things. He just records that 
Jesus went to the mountain to pray. But that was not all. Matthew explains how it was that Jesus escaped. Remember that they wanted to take him by force. Matthew recorded how he escaped the forceful desires of the crowd. Satan wanted to use this to jeopardize the mission of Jesus. If Jesus was proclaimed king, the Pharisees would have a pretext to accuse him and the Romans too would have had reason to suspect him. Pilate and Herod also would have been alert to such an uprising and insurrection against the Roman government. It wasn't so many years ago when the Maccabeans were claiming to be king. The last one was killed by Herod. And I didn't talk about how he was killed. He was brutally murdered. He was flogged, flogged and flogged till he lost his strength. I think his name was Aristobulus. That was the last king of the Jews under the Maccabeans. He was dealt with so severely till he finally died. And so they were always watching. The, the Romans were always watching. And even the Herodians were always watching to see whether the Jews will bring up another king. Who was doing this? It was Satan. He wanted to spoil the ministry of Jesus. Judas was one who was championing this matter of saying, let them make Jesus king. And the whole crowd were now saying they wanted to make Jesus king. They wanted to take him forcefully to do it. Matthew records how he escaped. Matthew 14 verse 22 and 23 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Amen. Jesus had to do something about this thing they wanted to do, the force. When you read here that it says straightway, Jesus constrained them. Divinity flashed that day as he spoke to them. With great authority, he dismissed the people away. The disciples who were foremost in trying to seize Jesus and force him to be king in their excitement were charged to go to the boat and Jesus left them to go to a mountain to pray. While Jesus was praying, the disciples were in the boat brooding over their lost opportunity to make Jesus king. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 379, paragraph 2 and downward, it says, the disciples had not put off immediately from the land as Jesus directed them. They waited for a time, hoping that he would come to them. But as they saw that darkness was fast gathering, you can imagine how it was, they entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum. They must have been really sad and disappointed. They had left Jesus with dissatisfied hearts, more impatient with him than ever before since acknowledging him as their Lord. They murmured because they had not been permitted to proclaim him king. They blamed themselves for yielding so readily to his command. They reasoned that if they had been more persistent, they might have accomplished their purpose. Unbelief was taking possession of their minds and hearts. Love of honor had blinded them. They knew that Jesus was hated by the Pharisees and they were eager to see him exalted as they thought he should be. To be united with a teacher who could work mighty miracles and yet to be reviled as deceivers was a trial they could ill endure. Were they always to be accounted followers of a false prophet? Would Christ never assert his authority as king? Why did not he who possessed such power reveal himself in his true character and make their way less painful? Why had he not saved John the Baptist from a violent death? Thus the disciples reasoned until they brought upon themselves great spiritual darkness. They questioned, could Jesus be an imposter as the Pharisees asserted? 
the disciples, like we read before, had witnessed something that was wonderful that day in the miracle of Jesus turning five loaves of bread and two fishes to multitudes of bread and fish to feed the people. But they were supposed to focus on the goodness of God. Instead, they were talking about what they did not have. In Desire of Ages, page 380, paragraph 2, it says, Those were hours of large blessing to the disciples, but they had forgotten it all. They were in the midst of troubled waters. Their thoughts were stormy and unreasonable. And the Lord gave them something else to afflict their souls and occupy their minds. God often does this. When men create burdens and troubles for themselves, the disciples had no need to make trouble. Already, danger was fast approaching. And what happened? There was a storm that came. This storm threw their boats left and right. Water started entering into the boat to the point that they could not deal with it. They tried all they could. They tried to row against the storm, but it was not working. They tried pouring away the water that was coming into the boats and was dashing the sheep with its violence, but it wasn't working till the point that their strength failed. That's how bad it was. They continued till their strength failed. Now they remembered Jesus. It says, then weary, then the weary men gave themselves up for lost. In storm and darkness, the, so- the sea had taught them their own helplessness, and they longed for the presence of their master. Desire of Ages, page 3 to 1, paragraph 1 says, Jesus had not forgotten them. The watcher on the shore saw those fear-stricken men battling with the tempest. Not for a moment did he lose sight of his disciples. With deepest solicitude, his eyes followed the storm the storm-tossed boat with its precious burden, for these men were to be the light of the world. As a mother in tender love watches her child, so the compassionate master watched his disciples. When their hearts were subdued, their unholy ambition quelled, and in humility they prayed for help, it was given them. End of quote. The account goes this way in the book of Matthew 14, reading from verse 24, it says, But the sheep was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. Amen. And what did Jesus do? He calmed the storm. The highlight of this experience is found in those words spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. Be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. What do these words mean? Jesus was saying two things. Firstly, he was saying, your troubles are not increased. It is me who is here. And secondly, that's because they saw a spirit, so they were, they were already in trouble with the storm. So when they saw the spirit, it was like, oh, now this is double trouble for us. A spirit is now coming on the sea. And Jesus was saying, don't worry, it is me. Your troubles have not increased. It's just the storm that's your problem for now. But secondly, he was saying, be not afraid. I am the one who permitted the storm to come upon you to distract your mind from things that are bringing doubts and unbelief into it. It is I who permitted the storm so you can appreciate the good things you have and stop complaining about that which you do not have. What we read in Desire of Ages, page 380, paragraph 2 says, They were in the midst of troubled waters. 
their thoughts were stormy and unreasonable and the lord gave them something else to afflict their souls and occupy their minds god often does this when men create burdens and troubles for themselves the disciples had no need to make trouble already danger was fast approaching end of quote now i want us to apply this lesson very well to ourselves here were disciples who were given the privilege to be the closest to jesus it was a privilege which they were to appreciate they had just been witnessed a miracle of being fed when they were hungry and not just them but even the other disciples of jesus not just the 12 apostles now but there were many other disciples there who witnessed this miracle now instead of appreciating that which they had they started to demand for more than God Jesus gave them and they were demanding for more than they, ha- they already had as though they deserved it. They were unhappy and unreasonable because Jesus did not give them the pleasure of making himself king and they neglected such a huge miracle that had just happened now. Do you know what that is like? It is like when God has done something good for you right now, instead of you appreciating that which you have, the next thing you are planning, okay, this is the next thing I want you to to do for me, Lord. And when he doesn't do that which you want, then you get angry with him or you start to get uh, um, irritated, offended with the Lord. They were offended with Jesus for not giving them what they wanted. That's how we should look at it. They wanted something from Jesus. Regardless of what the thing is, that is the, that's the situation they were in. They wanted something from Jesus. Because they were not getting that thing they wanted, it blinded their eyes from seeing that which Jesus had just given to them. And if we want to take another lesson from this, let us look at their situation as Christians now. Here were people who were being mocked for following Jesus. The Pharisees had rejected them and they wanted acceptance. They wanted acceptance with the Pharisees and they felt that if only Jesus can at least give them some, give the people some evidence that there's nothing wrong in following Jesus. For example, let me, let us be exalted, become the king and show the people, the Pharisees, that you are not an impostor. Show them that you are not a fanatic. Show them that you are not an extremist. But Jesus deferred the opportunity to do that. So also with us. We get offended with the Lord because he doesn't give us the opportunities to show people who are doubting us or people who have misinterpreted us that we are not what they think we are, maybe extremists, fanatic and all of that. And we can get offended with the Lord and say, why haven't you given me a job? So that they will sh- you will show people that it pays to serve the Lord. Because of the way I am now, they are mocking me. Look at the way I am. People are mocking me for following you. Why don't you assist me and bring me out of the situation I am in? You have done this and that and this and that for me, but you've not taken me further than that. So we become blinded to the goodness of the Lord. And we start to imagine trouble in our minds. Our minds become unreasonable and stormy. And instead of appreciating the goodness of the Lord, we become very petty and we become very irritated. You know, when such things happen, I've seen it happen. The Lord will give you other things to think about so that you will thank him. And it's like we read, God often does this when men create burdens and troubles for themselves. I'll tell you a story. One friend of mine who had been looking for a job, not that the person didn't have one already, they had one and then they were fired from the job. And the person was depending on the Lord, praying, reading the Bible, and the Lord came through. And this, my friend, got a job finally. And the job that was gotten was 
one that was more financially lucrative than the previous one and the person was grateful but when the job started the person started to complain about how the job is difficult and the job's not giving me opportunity for myself to cook and to do this and to do that and then i was praying lord give me a job that will make me to stay in a place that i will be able to cook and to take care of myself and to exercise so that my health will be better and then god did it gave the person that job and then when the person got that job the person started to complain again oh this job when i'm there it's too troublesome they are doing this to me they are doing that to me but yet the person finally had the opportunity to take care of themselves as to do what they wanted in the exercise and taking care of their food for themselves but now the person started to complain altogether and then chose to leave the job and the lord gave the person another one and then there was more complaint until finally the job was completely terminated not of the person's own will and now that the job was terminated and the person was at home and the person told me now i'm even worse than what i was before now i said but you've been complaining all this while maybe the lord has seen that you are not appreciating anything all you do is complain while you appreciate you still complain is that how to appreciate because you are saying oh thank you lord for giving me the job but while they saying that you are still so so bitter so sad while you are still complaining as to what you don't have instead of focusing on that which you have sometimes the lord will do some things to us and this person's job got terminated and the person got so bitter even worse than before and now started to appreciate all those works that was being complained about but then after some time after prayer the lord came through and gave the person another job and guess what now no complaints the person is okay no problem i'll work you see we need to learn to appreciate that which we have and not complain about that which we don't have because that which the lord gives to us we don't even deserve when jesus fed them he didn't have to they didn't beg him to he fed them with that five loaves of bread and two fishes if he had not done that everybody would have gone home happy and they would not have a problem but now they were using his own goodness against him because he fed them changing those five loaves of bread and two five loaves of bread and two fishes to multitudes uh, of breads and, and fishes to feed the people became something they were using against Jesus. They were using his goodness against him. Oh, so you can do this. Why didn't you release John the Baptist? Why haven't you made yourself king? Why haven't you overthrown the Romans? Why haven't you done this for me? Why haven't you done that for me since you can do this? That's how many of us behave. And then, if we do not appreciate, the Lord will send something. And he will tell you, it is I, be not afraid. I am the one who sent it. So that we can come back to our senses and realize the goodness of the Lord. Reading our high calling, page 56, paragraph 4 to 6, it says, That night in that boat was to the disciples a school where they were to receive their education for the great work which was to be done afterwards. The dark hours of trial are to come to everyone as a part of his education for higher work for more devoted consecrated effort the storm was not sent upon the disciples to shipwreck them but to test and prove them individually the time of our educating will soon be over we have no time to lose in walking through clouds of doubt and uncertainty we may stand close to the side of jesus let none shirk one hard lesson or lose the blessing of one hard discipline Whatever be our condition in life, our business, we have a sure guide. Whatever be our condition, he is our counsellor. Whatever be our loneliness, he is our friend in whom we may ever trust. End of quote. 
So that's just telling us that when God permits trials to come our way, don't look at it like, oh, the devil sent it. Jesus said, it is I. I am the one. Be not afraid. It was the Lord who brought that storm to them to give them something else to think about. Satan was making them to become discontented, unhappy, bitter, cherishing doubt about Jesus in their mind. You, many of us may not understand what was going on here. Remember, like I said earlier, this their clamor to make Jesus king was going to be very, very detrimental to the ministry of Jesus. And now, Satan was going for that. Okay, since he couldn't achieve them making Jesus king by force and spoil the ministry of Jesus, the next thing he was going to alienate the disciples from Jesus. How was Jesus going to meet those people if that storm did not come? If he had come to the disciples, what would have been on their minds? They would have just been cold towards him if he came to the boat. They would have been looking at him like, because they've been saying a lot of things, you know, behind his back. Why didn't he make John the Baptist king? And why didn't he release John the Baptist? Why didn't he make himself king? You know how it is when people are complaining about you and they are bitter towards you. The moment you come to their presence, what happens? They will all keep quiet. What happens? They all keep quiet. They won't say anything. You just realize this coldness towards you. And you're like, what's going on here? They would have been so alienated by their gossiping, by their bitter feelings, that if Jesus had come there without that storm, they would have been cold towards him. But Jesus solved the problem by bringing a storm upon them. And when the storm came upon them, they had something else to think about. And when Jesus calmed the storm, they appreciated his presence. Before, they had stopped appreciating Jesus' presence. They wanted more from him. They did not know how much trouble they were in, if not for his presence. And Jesus permitted the storm to come. Satan would have even used that storm to completely destroy them too. But as Jesus permitted it, he came to calm the storm so that they can see what their need really is. And this, t- this tells us some other lesson that we are to learn. We are to watch and pray lest Satan comes to our minds to divert us from the goodness of God to other things and lest we stop appreciating him. We are to ensure that we focus on the work of God and appreciate that which we have. Reading from Reflecting Christ, page 356, it says, We are to watch. Christ said, Watch unto prayer. He does not deceive any of us. He takes us to an entrance, shows us the confederacy of evil and the strength of the powers of darkness that are arrayed against all who would have faith in Jesus Christ, and tells us to count the cost. But he does more for us. He does not leave us there without still further encouragement. He does not show us trials and conflicts and leave us without help to fight the battles. But he tells us that God has his angels that minister unto those who shall be heirs of salvation. Round about his throne are thousands and thousands and ten times ten thousands of angels. What is their work? It is to do the bidding of Jesus Christ, their master. And what do they do? They tell you that Christ chose you, that heavenly angels are with you, and they remain with you. You can have but little strength to war against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But here is one who points you to the help heaven sent, that every soul, however strong or weak, may be victorious. We say we do believe that Jesus Christ died, but is he your personal savior? Here is the faith part of it. Do you grasp him by the living hand of faith? Do you reach out your hand to him and say, as did Peter, 
save Lord or I perish. He will save you. You remember there the disciples were toiling with the sheep and they gave up all hope of reaching the land. While in their dead peril, they see one coming towards them, stepping on the form-crested billows as he would on solid earth. And they were afraid and said, It is a spirit. But Christ says, It is I. Be not afraid. Oh, how much it is I means. It means everything to us when we are in trouble or perplexities. Can you not hear his voice? Can you not hear him saying, It is I, be not afraid? He is addressing himself to us. Whatever your weakness or trial, Christ is near you. He says, It is I, be not afraid. Did ever anyone lift his hand to Jesus and say, Save Lord, or I perish, and he pass him by? Never, never. He is a Jesus that hears the faintest cry. We need none of us faint or cry or be discouraged. We need not faint for like Peter, we may look to the darkness and trials around us. Amen. End of quote. Like it says, we need not faint. But the focus of this is Jesus is saying to us, It is I. Be not afraid. The Lord permits some things, some trials to come our way and by faith i need to and you need to learn it when we look on hindsight now at the trials we've passed through do you realize that it was permitted by god jesus had this calmness whenever he passed through trials why because he knew that nothing happened to him except by the lord's permission he knew that it was his father that was bringing it to him was it the crucifixion? The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 53 verse 10, 11 that it pleased the Lord, that is his father, to bruise him. All the trials that Jesus passed through, he was not looking at it in this physical realm of, oh, the Pharisees are against me, oh, these people are against me. He knew that it was Satan, but he also knew that Satan cannot do anything to him except his father permitted it. This is a lesson that we need to learn whenever we are passing through trials. We need to remember that Jesus is saying, it is I, be not afraid. You see that person who is insulting you? I permitted it, be not afraid. You see that job you lost? It is I, be not afraid. There are things I want to achieve in your life through this means. When you are sick, when you lose a loved one, when you have any trial or storm that goes through your life, Jesus is saying to you, it is I. It is I who permitted it. It is I who have allowed it. Be not afraid you wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers but then it is i i am by your side i permitted all the things that are happening even though you know there's something called god's permissive will and god's perfect will yeah some things that you wouldn't necessarily say god did it but he permits it and takes responsibility for it even though he's not the one directly doing it but in all things nothing happens to us except by god's permission and that's why jesus says it is i be not afraid let us learn not to be afraid let us learn not to cherish doubts over the work that god is doing in our lives and the things he has refused to do for us let us not let those things to make us like the disciples to become discouraged and start to doubt whether god is really there whether he really loves us because he didn't do this or that for us let us learn to be appreciative of the things he has done 
and for those he has not done, let us remember, we don't even deserve them to start with. So why complain about something that you don't deserve? Let us rather savour the good things he has done and praise his name for it. And should trouble come our way, let us be calm and not be afraid. Because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Do not be afraid. Shouldn't we obey? It's a word to obey. Jesus said, don't be afraid. So let us not be afraid since he said so. And remember, the reason he says you should not be afraid is, it is I. May the Lord give us grace that we may come up higher in faith. This is another level of faith. Come up higher. That when we have trials, we can be calm knowing that Jesus is by our side. Come up higher knowing that the things you desire from the Lord, whether you want to be by his side when he's king or you want him to exalt you or exalt himself in your life, anyone, when he doesn't do it for you, rather focus on the things he has done for you which you know you didn't deserve and be thankful to him. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for these lessons. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we have murmured and been dissatisfied and doubting you because you didn't do something that we wanted you to do for us. Help us, Lord, to be more appreciative. We thank you, Lord, for the things you've done in our lives, which we know we don't deserve, for forgiveness of sins, for the message which you give to us, for the spiritual blessings, for the transformation of character. We thank you, Lord, for providing the food and shelter and clothing, for healing us of our diseases and protecting and guiding us, shielding us from the eyes of evil ones and giving us peace and security. We appreciate these things. And we pray, Lord, that you also give us grace that should we pass through trials, we will be calm and obey the command that we should not be afraid, but that we shall trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Amen.